0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus performance line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.
0: Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
2: You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the NFC South Ultimate Division crossover. We are rolling through this week. It is Thursday. Hope you guys are having a great week. And we have arrived at the Carolina Panthers for last. (laughs) normally we say save the best for last but not necessarily in this case but the panthers are on deck and i of course am joined by the guys i've been hanging out with all week and it's been a fun time and i'm just gonna go ahead and let these cast of characters introduce themselves to you all
4: what's up everybody ross jackson here from the locked on saints podcast you can find me on twitter at ross jackson asc very excited to get to do this with you guys yet again day four out of five we're knocking them out man
1: Aaron Freeman, the host of the illustrious Locked on Falcons podcast. And you guys can check me out on Twitter at Falc
2: David Harrison here. One of the hosts of the Locked on Bucks podcast. Uh, you find me on Twitter at DH 82 underscore bucks. Very excited to talk about the NFL's Charlotte Wildcats franchise.
3: Shout out to James as well. Uh, Hope, hope you're doing well. And I'm, of course, Bill Rossetti, but you guys knew that already. So, enough about me. <laughs> Let's jump into it. This, this has been a fun week. Listen, I just got to say, like this has been a fun week. I'm really glad that uh, the network came up with this concept. Of course, everybody, all the divisions have been doing this and it's been a really great time. Uh, so, we're at the Panthers. Let's kind of recap what the Panthers did or kind of didn't do in 2019 as it was really kind of rock bottom for this team. It was it just turned out to be a disaster season. They finished 5-11, and uh, ended the regular season on an eight-game losing streak, actually the second year in a row that they've had a long losing streak. They lost seven in a row before actually winning their season finale in 2018. And then last year went from 5-3 and three at one point, including a win over the Titans, which if, when you look back, that looks pretty crazy that the Panthers beat a Titans team that wound up going to the AFC Championship game. They were five and three at that point, but crumbled to five and eleven. Cam Newton, of course, only played in two games, and then that foot injury ended up shutting him down for the season. So then Kyle Allen took over as starter and started off actually pretty decently. The Panthers had won actually four straight. Uh, they also also beat the Houston Texans team that made it to the divisional playoffs before their epic collapse, which. We all thoroughly enjoyed, I'm sure. Uh, So they beat some pretty good teams, but then Kyle Allen fell flat on the space, and the Panthers just kept losing a lot. And then they turned to Will Greer in Week 16, and he really wasn't working it out either. So a lot of question marks now surrounding this team, but at least you had Christian McCaffrey, of course, became just the third player in NFL history to rush for 1,000 yards and have 1,000 yards receiving. Actually did it on, I believe, 116 catches. Uh, if I remember correctly. So a fantastic season for Christian McCaffrey, but certainly his future starts to become in question is now the Carolina Panthers under new ownership and a brand new coaching staff. as Matt Rule comes over from the University of Baylor. He was given a seven-year contract by the Carolina Panthers and basically got control of the coaching staff. Brought in Joe Brady, the former offensive coordinator, or excuse me, the uh, passing game coordinator, Of LSU, he's now the offensive coordinator of the Panthers. Phil Snow, he brings over as his defensive coordinator, brought him over from Baylor. In fact, if you look at the the new coaching staff of the Panthers, you see a lot of Baylor connections. You see some Temple connections. Basically, a lot of guys that at one point or another have been connected to Matt Rule. But we're a lot of a lot of excitement, I think, as far as uh. A lot of questions and really some good debates as, uh, as far as this team goes, and I'm really excited to get these guys' thoughts. So we'll start with Ross. Um, when you look at this Panthers team, uh, just what do you think of this team coming out of
4: 2019 and um, just what they can do to improve how they kind of match up to the Saints here? Yeah, I mean, I looked at these guys in 2019 as another team that just unfortunately got the short end of the stick, honestly, in terms of the way that luck rolls out. I mean, they had one of the league's uh, top wide receivers in DJ Moore for a while. They have, of course, a fantastic weapon in Christian McCaffrey, but the one element that they were really missing over on the offensive side of the ball, aside from pass protection, was a quarterback. And, And some of that had to do with injuries, some of that had to do with youth and experience and things like that. And so there's a whole lot of, you know, talent on that Carolina Panthers team had a good, had a nice pass rush as well throughout the season. And so it was a team that had a lot of pieces, but unfortunately just didn't have the fabric to put it all together. Now that you have, you know, uh, moving on from Ron Rivera partway through the season to me was, I thought a little unexpected. Um I didn't see Ron Rivera as the problem for the Panthers, but I also don't cover the Panthers, so I might have totally been missing something there, but now everybody seems to be buying in and saying yes to this new regime. I think that the idea of, you know, signing Matt Rule and bringing him in for a, on a 9-year contract as the head coach tells me that this is a little bit of a long game play that they want to give this time to carefully reconstruct what they have in the facility, which I think is super smart as opposed to trying to rush into something um, that could potentially, you know, not work immediately and then end up putting you in the hole for a bunch of money. And so I think that's a very smart decision. Uh, I personally love the hiring of Joe Brady. Of course, as an LSU fan, I followed Joe Brady closely. He, of course, was an offensive assistant for the Saints as well before becoming passing game coordinator for the Tigers. So I love seeing him there, and I'm really, really interested to see what he does as a young and very, very smart mind in the you know his first actual coordinator position. I mean, he's only been essentially an intern and then an assistant, you know, for. Quite a while, but it'd be really interesting to see what it is that he's able to do, particularly with a guy like DJ Moore. Because something that people should know about Joe Brady is that Joe Brady gets a lot of credit for the offense at LSU, and in particular his work with with uh, Joe Burrow. But he actually didn't work with Joe Burrow at LSU. I talked to a good friend Matt Muscona from the Locked On LSU podcast not too long ago about this, as well as from uh, ESPN Baton Rouge. But he talked about how Joe Brady, for the most part, worked it's pretty pretty exclusively with the wide receivers. Uh, Jordan, uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, who of course was the Blitnikoff winner, uh Terrence Marshall, who was uh, excellent and is returning to LSU this next season. So he actually worked with them. So I'm interested to see what the Joe Brady effect is for the wide receiver core in Carolina, which hasn't been the you know biggest and best wide receiver core in the NFL for some time, but certainly has some talent with guys like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel there. So that's part of what I'm really, really interested in. And I think that if they're able to get that passing game rolling a little bit, if they're able to get a quarterback that they're comfortable with, even if that means retaining Cam Newton and giving him another shot under this new regime and with this new leadership, then I think that that puts them in position to you know perform better in 2020 than they did in 2019. But I think, unfortunately, from my perspective, the Panthers are just probably the most removed from the top of the division at this time. But I think that that's part of why these contracts for these coaches have been structured in such a way that allows them to play a longer game in terms of a full-on rebuild, doing so carefully and making smart decisions over the course of a couple of seasons, as opposed to turning in and trying to make quick decisions that could be costly in the long run in order to have an effect right now.
3: Aaron, I have a question for you. Um, the Panthers definitely seemed like a team that, uh, or I should say the Falcons have kind of dominated the Panthers over the last couple of years. What, is it, what is, is it about the Falcons that they've just been matching up so well over these last couple of years with the Panthers and that some of these games really haven't even been close?
1: I think it's really sort of too Differing philosophies the Panthers have sort of always been this run heavy defensive driven team and the Falcons have kind of been more of this pass first We're going to score a lot of points and I think they've had a lot of success in recent years um, Being able to score against the Panthers and making them try to play the Falcon style of football Which they haven't really had a lot of success doing in those particular games versus the Panthers kind of making them play their style of football which in the early going of of sort of Cam Newton's career, they did have a lot more success. And I think a lot of that has to do with just sort of diminishing returns these last couple of years with that Panthers defense, while still good, isn't necessarily that sort of top shelf type of defense that they had several years ago back when they were, you know, at the top of the division and, and potentially, you know, almost close to winning a Super Bowl. So I think that's really kind of been the key difference. It's just like the Falcons have just been particularly effective at making the Panthers play their style of football, which they haven't necessarily done a good job of. And one wonders with the coaching changes and possible quarterback changes, as well as other things, whether or not the Panthers will be better able to play that style of football, at least offensively.
3: And then, Dave, when we turn to the Bucks, um, you know we've obviously touched on the Bucks earlier this week, but it's definitely weird that they're kind of in the same boat as, as the Panthers and that they have, you know, huge question marks. So when you look at the Panthers, um, when you look at this Panthers team, um, I guess, what is it that makes them kind of similar in that aspect that they're going to have these, uh, these quarterback questions, you know, could Cam Newton potentially be, uh, or I I guess we could say, how does Cam Newton potentially compare to Jameis Winston if, they both of them get to the free agent market.
2: Well, I mean, Cam Newton, you know, full disclosure, I have not been during his career. I don't really – it's not It's not so much his personality. It's more it just – it kind of seems to come across as a little bit selfish. I don't know that he's really a leader or a team player. And I fully acknowledge that's in contrast to what his own teammates and coaches say about him. Uh, that's just the impression I get. Obviously, you know my co-host, James Yarko, is definitely not a fan of – Cam Newton. In fact, he likes to call him Scam Newton. Um, but that being said, you can't deny that Cam Newton has been a talented player in his entire career. But I really feel like the injuries have taken their toll, the punishment that he's taken because of his play style, because of how much the Carolina Panthers have really relied on him. I mean, outside of like Greg Olsen, I mean, the, the, the Panthers just have not put a very strong nucleus or a group of talent around him to really help support him uh, in, in his ventures on the offense. I know, you know, their most successful seasons, they had a really good defense, but offense was really kind of predicated on what Cam could make happen with very, I would say limited talent. I mean, uh, Devin Funchist in my eyes was never a number one wide receiver yet for years. That was the number one guy that, that Cam had to work with. Even now you look at DJ Moore, who definitely has a lot of talent and upside Curtis Samuel, as much as I love the fact that he comes from Ohio state, I don't look at him as kind of a true number two wide receiver. So I feel like they they have some room to grow there. So Cam's decline, as much as you know, it, it has to do with his physical ability going into decline. I think it's a lot of it has to do with the the lack of talent the Panthers have put around him. Not from a from a lack of effort necessarily. I mean, they've they've signed some players, they've drafted some players. They just haven't panned out for one reason or another. I feel like honestly, me if I'm building a team or looking to fill in a quarterback position, I'm actually staying away from Cam Newton more than I'm staying away from James Winston, just because James's issues all seem to be mental. They seem to be more about decision making uh, and, and things like that. And whether or not Jameis will ever learn from those mistakes, they can be taught. They can be those are things that can be nurtured and developed, whereas Cam Newton's issues seem to be more physical. And, you know, we all we've all seen it, you know, at the, like the old saying goes, father time is undefeated. And Cam just seems to be breaking down a little bit faster than maybe some quarterbacks do, uh, like I said, based on on his style of play and how much the carolina panthers have asked him to do over the years i think back to aaron you'll remember it i'm sure that hit he took from i think it was deon jones right there at the end zone i mean that's just one example and that's a that's a hit that you know it's 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 almost like going back to shaquille o'neal days in the paint that cam newton takes those hits all the time and i just think they've caught up to him awesome yeah definitely good to see kind of
3: all the all the insights from all the other division guys here i will take a quick break here come back and then we will discuss kind of the future of the panthers some of their biggest question marks i think we know obviously one direction that we are going to talk about and we'll do that in just a minute
0: hi i'm jake from locked on
4: If you've been a listener of this podcast, then I'm sure that you've heard all of the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you might not know that Locked On Saints is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Saints fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the ability to reach local podcast listeners. But not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. So if your company wants to connect with Saints fans and a predominantly male audience that's well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit locked slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit locked dot com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, guys, we're back and we're going to Roll on here with the division crossover. We're talking
3: Carolina Panthers. We got all the folks from the NFC South podcast here. Ross Jackson, David Harrison, and Aaron Freeman. All with me, Bill Rossetti. Hope you guys are having a great week. We're going to talk about some of the biggest question marks that these guys think the Panthers face. And David, I think we'll start with you. You know, we kind of just touched on uh, the quarterback position um, but other than that, what do you think right now could be the biggest uh, the biggest question mark for the Panthers heading into this off season?
2: Well, I think the the biggest question mark is going to be what are the what are the Carolina Panthers seeing themselves because you know they they've got some sexy new coaching hires that that I I like. I mean, uh, truth be told, I, I love Coach Rivera. I love Ron Rivera. Uh, you and I were at the combine last year, and, and I don't know if you remember, but. I I went out of my way to attend Ron Rivera's press conference there at the beginning of the week, Mm -hmm. just because I'm a fan of his. Like I I really had no reason to be there. I did ask him about Bruce Arians, but he, he's a very smart coach. So he kind of gave me a middle of the road answer. Didn't get too excited, but didn't, you know, uh, uh, insult the, the hire or talk down about him at all. So he didn't really give me any material that I turned into writing or anything like that. I just, I'm a big fan of coach Rivera. So I Mm -hmm. wanted to be there to hear that being said, Christian McCaffrey, uh, I don't know if, if all of you are aware, but I, Castle Rock, Colorado is not my hometown in the traditional sense. I didn't grow up there, but it is the town I call home because I spent a lot of my teenage years there. Um, my father still lives there, and it is the birthplace of Christian McCaffrey. So I'm a big Christian McCaffrey fan, and so so there's a little bit of affinity there for the Panthers. But I really look at this team and think that this is a full rebuild. Like The Panthers are not in a position to retool, reload, whatever you want to call it. They're rebuilding this team. I think David Tepper hopefully has that mindset, which is why he decided to go with a new court or a new coach. They should go with a new quarterback. And really that's kind of the the mentality I would approach this team with in in 2020. And and Bill, I think you kind of have echoed uh those sentiments because looking at the the seventh pick, we've talked about it earlier in the week, to me, if I'm the Carolina Panthers, if you're not drafting a quarterback, you know, Justin Herbert to a and Joe Burrow are gone, and you don't think that Jordan Love is the future franchise quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Then if if I'm at seven, I'm getting the Colts and the Buccaneers on a conference call, on a three-way conference call, and I'm saying, hey, you two, one of you's trading for this pick, go ahead and, and just keep bidding against yourselves until I'm happy. Um, you know, to take it take a scene out of draft day, I'm just gonna sit here and eat my pancakes until one of you decides how much you're paying me for the number seven pick. And let them go back and forth over who's going to draft Jordan Love. Because then you can stockpile those draft picks. You know, you might be able to get two number ones out of it. You might be able to get a couple twos out of it. Whatever you get, that's more draft capital. You now have to go get younger players on cheaper contracts than, you know, going and getting a key free agent for, you know, tens of or even close to $20 million if you're talking about a free agent quarterback I think that's the best way for them to go. You get a, a nice little stockpile of young players going to figure out who fits what you're trying to do, figure out who's going to make you a winner long term. Keep those guys, let the rest of them move on, keep folding back and stocking draft picks. And I think that's kind of the way the Panthers need to address this uh, versus maybe even trading up for a Tua. You know, if you trade from seven to say three to go grab Tua, now you're giving up draft capital. And now you got Tua coming in there with the kind of the same offense Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and not much else. The defense is banged up. Uh, it just it seems to me like you're if you do that, you're going to spend your first two or three years trying to keep your quarterback healthy more than anything. And to me, that speaks that the Panthers think they're a team re, re, retooling uh, ver, or reloading versus rebuilding.
4: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with David all throughout that. I mean, I, I look at the I look at other opportunities for the Carolina Panthers to get better. And I love the idea of them you know, shopping that number seven pick and seeing what they can do to add some talent. I mean, get another, getting another wide receiver in that core could help because yeah, go ahead and, you know, keep Cam Newton or Will Greer or Kyle Allen or trade up for Tua, but then you still need somebody to throw the ball to outside of DJ Moore. Uh, Trust me, I'm very familiar with that type of a situation as what the New Orleans Saints have going on as well. But, you know, somebody like Denzel Mims, who obviously Matt Rule knows very well, would be, you know, a great weapon to add along uh, that Carolina Panthers offensive attack. And then Joe Brady, of course, and the work that he does with wide receivers is so well documented. And so I like the idea of them either... Sticking with one of the guys that they've got, what well, you know, whoever it is they feel most comfortable with. I love the idea of getting giving Cam Newton another shot. Honestly, if I'm being real, um, I like Cam Newton, and I would like to see him at least get another shot to succeed. That's just kind of the the football fan in me, and just the fan of of human beings and people. Um, but when it comes down to it, I mean, I I'm kind of in that same place where I feel like the the Panthers could address some really, really, really big needs elsewhere um, that could really help this team start to do that. You know, as, as David phrased it, reload uh, quicker uh, or, you know, sooner rather than later. I'll add this to um, the other thing about that. And the other thing that makes me go that way is that we talked about, uh, I think it was Tuesday's episode, Bill, you had mentioned that, you know, getting that defense a little bit younger, particularly along the defensive line is something that has been a focus for the uh, for the Carolina Panthers. Of course, Luke Keekley just retired, so that's a huge hole to fill over on the defense. And when you look at Matt Rule as you know a defensive mind, or if you look at Matt Rule as a defensive mind, that it makes sense that as opposed to really kind of going out of pocket and trying to like trade up and move up for a guy that you're going to have to end up probably sitting for a year anyway, to just try to fill those holes in the defense and build up a defensive team for this next year that can help to uphold whatever your offensive production is around whichever quarterback you decide to use for 2020. And then if you need to go back into the market in 2021, there's still some viable options there, but it gives you an opportunity to really, you know, replace a leader on your defense a cornerstone for your team as well as find a way to continue to you know get some youth and inject some youth into that that defense and i think that to me that's a big priority uh for carolina especially because they have these other quarterbacks that they potentially could you know just continue to roll with for the next season or so before they dive into that 2021 market
3: yeah, absolutely. And I actually just wrote a little bit on a couple of the quarterbacks coming up in the 21 class over at Pro Football Network. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are the two big guys, but I touched a little bit on uh, Sam Ellinger and Kellen Mond. I think those are going to be two intriguing guys to watch as far as their development this season and can they kind of climb into – it's t- obviously, you know not to the level of trevor Trevor Lawrence, but at least on uh, the level of being in the conversation of you know maybe being around one quarterback but I think I have to pose the question to you guys, you know it, it is gonna be the question with the Carolina Panthers. do they bring back cam Newton? will they roll with him? He's due about eighteen million this year. they can save sixteen million in cap space if they decide to cut him, so. What would you guys do? Would you keep, you know, what would you guys do? And what do you think the Panthers will do as far as will they or won't they keep Cam Newton? And if they decide not to keep Cam Newton, who will be the starting quarterback week one of 2020?
4: Well, yeah. um, I'm I'm happy to start. Like I'll answer that one I, because I kind of already kind of, uh, you know, showed my hand anyway. Um, I think for mm-hmm. me, Uh, I roll with with Cam Newton one more year and I give him another shot I mean this is a guy that's been suffering because of injury as you know we've seen him really fall off lately more because of injury as opposed to just a lack of production and I do think that the two go hand in hand of course if you're not you know what is the, the phrase the best ability is availability but regardless I think that I give Cam Newton another role um, at least, uh, you know, the, the thing that gives me pause for it a little bit is the fact that they could save $16 million moving on from him. That's hefty. And, you know, we're talking about building for the future and giving them an opportunity to reload that offense and reload that defense in particular, $16 million. And then a seven to $13 million, you know, leap in salary cap. That's helpful. <laughs> that's really, really helpful, and so, um, I think that's the thing that gives me pause, but I'm inclined to say, uh give Cam Newton another shot at it. I think you know as as well as Kyle Allen performs against the Saints for whatever reason that might be. I think you know what you've gotten, Kyle Allen at this point. will Greer still needs some time, and so I think your sure thing at this point would be um would be Cam Newton, and then other than that, maybe you look to free agency. You know, we've talked about Marcus Mariota a couple times uh, this off, you know, throughout this week uh, here with these crossovers. Could Marcus Mariota be an interesting, you know, option for the Carolina Panthers? I think it kind of comes down mm-hmm. to the team that Matt Rule wants to build, but certainly it's an offense that's used to you know, uh, used to working with a mobile quarterback. So maybe that could be a good option for them. But I think that in in the draft, I would. I would err on the side of trying to rebuild elsewhere and gain draft capital to kind of continue to add weapons around the team and then maybe look to free agency for uh, another quarterback if Cam Newton's not the guy that you go with.
2: Yeah. And Ross, I'm going to I'm going to disagree. You know, I, I, and I think that's the beauty of of, of observing teams from the outside as we all have different views of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at it. Luke Luke Hickley retired. Greg Olson's going to the Redskins. I just it's this team has rebuild written all over it. And I think if you're going to rebuild and you don't have a young quarterback, uh, you, you got to move on. And, and Cam isn't, you know, the elder statesman that some guys are in the world. But again, I think physically, when you take his actual age with some of the injuries and, and the damage that his body is taking, it kind of elevates or escalates kind of that measurement. Um, I, I kind of like actually really like the idea of maybe Marcus Mariota landing. Uh, with, with Carolina and I mean I don't know like if Ron Rivera still wants Cam to run his team maybe maybe the Redskins are willing to trade Dwayne Haskins for Cam one for one up up front uh, you know that that I don't know with Dan Snyder you never know what's going to happen but you know if you if you do that bring in two young quarterbacks with relatively inexpensive contracts I mean Marcus isn't going to be demanding 25 million a year or anything crazy then that gives you the opportunity, cap wise, to still build your team. It allows you to save some draft capital this year. Not having to target a quarterback right off the bat allows you to get some pieces in place. Uh, like you said, Mims, i really obviously a guy that Matt Rule is familiar with. So if the Carolina Panthers start passing on him around the around the time people expect him to get drafted, it's it's kind of like when Bill O'Brien passed on Christian Hackenberg. You know, it's it's going to kind of start to say some things about the player, but. If they bring him into Carolina, you've already got DJ. You've got Christian McCaffrey that's probably going to get a second deal pretty soon. Um, Yeah, I I just think that's kind of the best way for this team to go. Matt's on a seven-year contract, so he's got, you know, really, if you think about it, he's got about two or three years before he really needs to commit to a single quarterback. And whoever they have on the roster, if they're not working out in that system, then they can kind of go all in, push all the chips in, a major trade, move up in the draft, take the guy that you want. Um, You know, right now it's Trevor Lawrence next year, but – Every year we've got a new hot quarterback coming out in the NFL draft. There will be a guy there in 2022, 2023 if they want, and that's when they could make this full push uh, into trying to put it all together with one guy.
3: Yeah, just your thoughts, Aaron, on what the Panthers should do with Cam Newton. Do they keep them or do they not? And if they don't, who who could be a top option to start this year?
1: I mean that's a tough question. I mean it it kind of goes back to a similar conversation we had when we talked about the Bucks keeping Jameis Winston. I think the Panthers are in a better situation because they're picking higher in the draft. It won't take as much ammunition to potentially move up if they need to get their guy, or there's a much higher chance that a a good young quarterback will will fall to them where they're picking. Um, but I think. Unless you're in love with whoever what is likely to be the third or fourth, possibly even fifth best quarterback is in this draft, if you don't absolutely love that guy as a prospect, if you're not absolutely willing to marry your franchise and your organization and this coaching staff to that guy for the next five plus years, and that's obviously a decision that's going to have to be made this off season then I do think you really do need to entertain the possibility of kicking the tires at least one more time on Cam Newton and the hope that he can come back healthy and, and see what you can get out of him. Obviously, you know, that's a Panthers team that is at least competitive with Cam Newton. They haven't quite had the success in recent years that I think they wanted to have with Cam Newton. And a lot of that is tied to the injuries, but I think that's going to be an important conversation with this new coaching staff and with the front office. If they believe that, you know, whether it's a Justin Herbert or a Tua or a Jordan Love or Jacob Isom, if they believe that guy is the guy, then I think you can willingly part ways with Cam Newton and, and roll the dice on a rookie and maybe sign, you know, a mid-level sort of, a uh, veteran guy, you know, basically the equivalent of a Josh McCown type of player that can come in and, and sort of be that veteran leadership in in the film room for that young rookie quarterback. But if you're not in love with those types of players and aren't willing to give up the draft capital this year or next year to go get that guy, then I do think the choice is pretty much to kick the tires on Cam Newton this year and hope that you get another bite at the apple to potentially uh, make a change next offseason? Yeah, he, here's how I look at it. I, I think they're definitely in a tough spot
3: both with Cam Newton and in the draft. I think they're going to keep Cam Newton. $18 million, not really all that much when you look at some of the contracts of some of these other teams and, and some of these other quarterbacks. So $18 million is kind of a bargain even with the, the injuries to Cam Newton. But the thought is that He should be healthy by March, and I think the Panthers can give it one more go, as well as looking to draft the quarterback in the first
2: round. TurboTax experts make your moves count. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this Locked On podcast is brought to you by TurboTax. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts will make sure that they count for you. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? Well, that's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That is a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? That quite literally would be a move. Or maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house. Or you switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or maybe you just rode the stock market to the moon and back. Any of those things that you did or any other moves that you made, TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and every deduction you deserve, filing with 100% accuracy and getting you your max refund Guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax today. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Now, I think where they sit, that that's where I think
3: makes them in a tough spot. They're such a wild card because you guys brought up the, uh, Tua Tungavailoa and the possibility of trading up for him. If the Panthers are to trade up for Tua Tungavailoa, I think it's going to have to be at least they're going to ha- probably have to get up to number three and make that trade with the Detroit lions because they know they have to get over Miami if, if they want to get to it. So it's probably going to take at least both of their second day picks to get up there. And cause you know, cause we're jumping from seven to three. So it's a little bit of a little bit of a jump there, a little bit of a gap that they, they have to make up. So I think at least their second and third picks are going to be gone. And when it, so if they want to, I think that's what it's going to have to take. When it comes to Justin Herbert, that's a tough spot too, because they are right behind the l a chargers at number six and i I do believe that Justin Herbert is going to be a potential option for the chargers, especially now that we know that Philip Rivers will no longer be with with the chargers, so we know the pan- or the chargers are gonna be in the in the market for a quarterback. So I have I have to believe and I said I think uh, I think Justin Herbert locked himself into the top ten with his performance at the senior bowl. So if the Panthers want one of those guys, I think they're gonna to have to to trade up for them. If they don't then I'll throw out a name in round two as a guy to watch and that is Jalen Hurts because we talked you guys mentioned the the mobility you know some of these young mobile quarterbacks that Matt Rule has worked with and I think Jalen Hurts could potentially be seen as a
4: as a uh, Cam Newton light Oh, I can totally see that. I mean, you have a big-bodied guy with a nice arm and has some some mobility and has you know. I mean, that's. I think that's a really good fit actually for him in Carolina.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's my I thing. I think they could potentially see him as as a as a Cam Newton light, and you know, so even if you keep Cam, I, you know, there's definitely the possibility. I could certainly see them having both Cam Newton and Jalen Hurts. Uh, would it would let Jalen Hurts learn from Cam Newton because look, we're now in an NFL world where we have to kind of change the way and not necessarily in a bad way, how we, you know, I'm not saying that in a bad way, but kind of change the way we look at these quarterbacks because, you know, mobility has become, I mean, you still need pocket presence. obviously. I think pocket presence still is the biggest factor when looking at these quarterbacks, but, you know, mo- mobility has become more of a factor in some of these quarterbacks. I mean, we're watching, Lamar Jackson win MVP with the dominant season he had. Uh Kyler Murray just won offensive rookie of the year. And we know the skill sets that these two guys have. So maybe these teams think about that and they look at a guy like Jalen Hurts. Now I'm not gonna say, you know, I remember watching the game and somebody was saying along the lines of, Oh, maybe Jalen Hurts is like a running back or something like that. It's like, no, we're we're not getting into that, you know. Jalen Hurts is going to play quarterback, but what what I'm saying is, you know, you develop him and get him kind of into the abilities that we saw, like with Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, then you might be able to work with him. And an offensive staff like the Panthers have now, you give him a year, you know, and you give him weapons and you beef up the offensive line, then you might have something with Jalen Hurts. So I would not discount the possibility that. Uh, Cam Newton returns in 2020, and they draft Jalen Hurts in round two if they can't get one of those top guys. Because, like I said, I think it's possible that the top three guys all go by pick number six if the Panthers don't trade up. Because I think what's going to happen is Miami's going to trade up for Tua because we know all the draft capital they have. So they're going to almost throw everything but the kitchen sink to the Lions to make sure they get their guy. And then Herbert's probably going to be there for the taking – for the Chargers, if they want him at six. And I don't think the Panthers are going to take Jordan Love at seven. They're certainly going t- not going to take uh, Jacob Eason at, uh, at number seven. So, like, in that scenario, the Panthers are probably taking someone like Derek Brown or one of the offensive tackles or maybe Isaiah Simmons. And then you get to round two. And like I said, that's where I think it becomes interesting that they could, pot- could potentially take a guy like Jalen Hurts. So I think that's where the Panthers stand right now uh with with the quarterback situation
4: yeah I I think that evaluation spot on I think that's a a good route for a potentially good route for them to go Uh, again I love the fit of Jalen Hurts in Carolina and what that can provide that team and and the player I mean to be able to sit back and learn from Cam Newton who has taken as many shots in the NFL as Jalen Hurts might potentially take in the NFL because of his play style as well and so I I, that makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. to me
2: yeah, Jalen yeah, definitely seems to fit kind of the mold of what a Carolina Panthers quarterback has been, with, especially with Cam Newton. Um, so, yeah, if they don't take a quarterback in the first round, then you definitely see that that becoming something that happens.
3: I think real quick, too, I'll, uh, I want to touch on two of the other big questions that I think you have with the Carolina Panthers. So we'll just go kind of around quick. And the two questions being and we we kind of touched on one earlier cuz we talked about Luke Keekley but one obviously is you know how do they how does this team go forward with that big void in the middle of the defense with Luke Keekley retiring and what do they do about Christian McCaffrey because like we kind of alluded to before he's due for he's up for a potential contract extension and the question becomes if you're a team in a rebuild like the Panthers, do you pay all that money to Christian McCaffrey and kind of eat up all that salary cap? So I'm interested in your guys' thoughts on what you would do with Christian McCaffrey. Uh,
4: I'm inclined to say pay the man, honestly. Um, I and, and maybe that's an ignorant outlook, but I, I kind of feel the same way about Alvin Kamara, who's much in the same mold as Christian McCaffrey. These are two players in the NFL that play the running, position, running back position unlike any other running backs in the league. And I think that they give you a dynamic on your team that is not you know is not replicable elsewhere and I know that there are a lot of teams that have spent a lot of opportunity a lot of draft picks and a lot of capital to try to replicate a guy like Christian McCaffrey in the league so far and no one's been successful at it because there's only one Christian McCaffrey in the league and if you have the opportunity for that guy to be on your team then you keep him on your team and I know that that eats up salary and that eats up that but I mean when you look at what the you know and I'm also coming from this is a perspective of you can look at what the Saints just did in terms of locking up Michael Thomas for you know years, uh, based on what you know, giving him a five year extension at worth up to ten million dollars, uh, you know you can do that when you have a guy that is absolutely going to be a contributor for your team and is going to be a difference maker on the field for you, and when you have somebody that plays a position is that is valuable for teams with young quarterbacks which seems to be where the Carolina Panthers are going to be trending at least within the next couple of years whether they do trade up for Tua or grab a guy like Jalen Hurts or grab somebody in the 2020 2022 draft uh, you want a running back that's going to be able to alleviate some pressure off of your young quarterback you want a tight end that's going to be able to alleviate some pressure off your young quarterback you've got one of those things that christian mccaffrey and somebody that provides you not only somebody that can alleviate that pressure as a running back but can also be a safety outlet out the backfield i think that that investing that kind of money into a player like Christian McCaffrey isn't just putting money on a playmaker; it's putting money on somebody that extends the career of your young quarterback as you move forward.
1: Yeah, for for me, I'm inclined to pay him. I know everybody's always like, never pay running backs, and, and that's been an issue with the Falcons, where people were like the Falcons were mistaken for pay- paying Devonte Freeman, and now they had to get out of that kind of and all that sort of thing. But the reality is, when you have a valuable running back, and particularly if the Panthers do decide to go with a young quarterback in the foreseeable future, having that stability in the ground game, having that reliable outlet as a runner, as a receiver that Christian McCaffrey brings to the table is very valuable. And, you know, whether that's worth $10 million, $15 million, whatever the the case may be, it does have value for your team. And I think you're a better football team if you have that on your team. And if you wind up paying him and then, you know, four or five years down the road, you're saying, oh, we paid too much money for a Christian McCaffrey, but you are winning football games over that, you know, three, four, five year span, then it, it, I think it winds up paying for itself. So I think I would be definitely inclined to pay a guy like Christian McCaffrey, just because I do think his skill set, because of his value both as a pass catcher and as a runner does give you a little bit more than say other running backs of his ilk, other top tier running backs that are just more uh, tilted towards the the running game. And, and, you know, again, I know that was a big topic of debate this past postseason, you know, how valuable is the running game? It will continue to be a topic of debate for the, the near future. But I do think, it is in the best interest of the Panthers, uh, particularly if they do sort of turn the page on Cam Newton to have that sort of stable foundation to their offense, and I think Christian McAfee provides
2: it. Yeah, generally speaking, I'm kind of on the side of things where you draft a running back, if he's successful, great, and once the initial contract is over, you let him walk because generally speaking, you're going to overpay for running back when most running games are predicated on the offensive line doing their job. And, you know, teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers are kind of an example of that when they lost Lev Bell, as long as their offensive line was doing their job, you know, they were able to find a running back to be successful, even if they weren't necessarily blowing the socks off people, they were successful enough because of their offensive line and their scheme to make things happen. But Christian McCaffrey is a whole other level and a, and a type of guy like if if an offensive lineman misses a block on a Christian McCaffrey run, Christian can outrun the missed blocker or a missed defender. You know what I mean? So, Christian's kind of the exception of that rule for me. A guy like Saquon Barkley probably is in that level as well. There's not many others. I, I, you look back at like Melvin Gordon and his holdout. He's not a guy that I would go and pay, you know, the the kind of money that he's going to want to at the running back position, just because of the nature, the short nature of their of their position group. But Christian McCaffrey is that guy. So if, if it's me, you you definitely are, are paying him to stay in Carolina. Yeah, and I'm just gonna
3: follow along there I'm in I'm in the same boat too I think you know it's I know it's a tough decision that you know whether or not you pay all this money to a running back but Christian McCaffrey definitely deserves it I mean you know you brought up a, g- a good point David about the offensive line and the the fact of the matter is the Panthers offensive line really wasn't all that great uh this off se- or this past season and Christian McCaffrey still found a way to rush for a thousand yards and have over a 1,000 yards receiving. So he's, he's the key cog right now in this offense. I mean, that off, let's face it. The offense, when Cam Newton went down, the offense ran to Christian McCaffrey, and he absolutely took, uh, took full advantage of it. So I, I agree. I think you, you pay Christian McCaffrey because his salary cap is just going to keep going up, and um, who knows how high it's going to go when this new CBA kicks in. So I even said on, I think I think last week somewhere I said it, it might be advantageous for the Panthers to sign them now because it might end up being a cheaper contract than what it could be, say, next year when this new CBA kicks in and you have no idea, you know, because it looks like the players are going to get more money if we're to believe all these, all these reports that are coming out about what could potentially be in the CBA. Uh, the, the salary cap looks like it's going to skyrocket. And the you know we think these contracts are big time now. Just wait until you know 21, 22, when they finally kick in. So yeah, I I think Christian McCaffrey stays, and I I think the Panthers pay him. You know, look David Tepper, he's he's ready to do whatever it takes to make this team competitive. And if it means shelling out a six-year, 90 million dollar contract for Christian McCaffrey, then so be it. He's he's going to do it. Uh Think that's a good spot to kind of I think we touched on some of the biggest things here with the Panthers. Uh I don't know if you guys have any final thoughts before we uh wrap it up here.
4: No man, just another fun episode for the uh divisional crossover and looking forward to tomorrow's Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> a lot of love in this room.
3: Yeah, so I I guess with that we'll uh wrap it up here. Uh yeah, just been a fun week and we'll uh we'll wrap it up tomorrow with what should be a really fun really fun episode and yeah this tomorrow is Valentine's day. So grab your loved ones and enjoy listening to us for app about football. That just like we love to do it. That's kind of our Valentine is talking about football. So with that, Bill said he signed off. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see, see you tomorrow as we wrap up the division crossover until then. Take care of my friends.
2: Hey, prime members.